Oh, it's so good to be finally outside in the sun. It is a nice day today. Blue skies, a few fluffy clouds. Not too warm. Not too cold. A bit of wind. Perfect. <clears throat> Lots of kids outside today. That has to do with the uh, slightly loosened regulations here in the Netherlands during the corona crisis. Children are now allowed to train uh, for sports again. At least <clears throat> the children, uh, the younger children, they go to primary school. So here on my left, for the first time in at least six weeks, I see them play hockey. Regular hockey, not ice skating hockey or whatever you you call it up north. <laughs> but uh, it's good to see the, the kids being able to benefit from the nice weather. And schools will also very soon reopen, at least primary schools, and then maybe secondary schools will follow uh, in a few weeks from now. It is still debated. Uh, we don't know for sure if this is the right thing to do. But according to a number of scientists, at least, uh, younger children are very unlikely to transmit the virus even though there are occasional reports that, that seem to indicate something else. But for now, the consensus here in the Netherlands is it's probably not going to be too risky to uh, reopen the schools for younger kids. Of course, for, for the teachers, this may be a totally different thing. I don't know if I were teaching in a primary school, if I'd be comfortable being in front of a class, and, and especially younger children are very hard to control and you can always have a theoretical social distancing going on but kids often forget about that and so even if the kids are not in danger they can still put the teachers in danger so it must be really hard I think to be in that situation now, some of my friends are actually primary school teachers and well I don't envy them right now um but it's good that the kids are, are, are able to play outside again and uh, get some exercise. I think that will also alleviate a lot of the stress in families. Because even though parents generally love their kids, but that's, you know, sometimes a little bit of a test of their patience when you're inside, confined within the walls of your home, with those kids you love so much because kids are kids and they do get on your nerves and let's be honest parents also do get on the nerves of their parent of um, of their kids so being outside being able to exercise a bit always helps to reduce stress and that is exactly why I like to be outside right now in the sun just to get some air and get some exercise even though it's just walking but I, I I feel I need it especially after another very very exhausting week it's almost as if every day the work increases the workload the responsibility increases and I have to be careful I think not to overload I've always been a bit you know prone to to work-related stress and of course it's not always the work that causes stress it could be other factors as well 
sometimes work-related, sometimes uh, stress coming from uh, tricky relationships where you have to manage different levels of communication between people. And as you can imagine, the more I get involved in the parish work, and I am involved for a tremendous amount of my time in helping this parish or these parishes that I serve to transition into this corona phase and some of my uh, colleagues here in the parish are openly talking about their desire for this to be over and they're kind of done with it and they want regular parish life to resume as quickly as possible whereas I'm just still in this I, for me it feels as if we've only just begun and a lot of the effort that I put into helping the two parishes to transition to new forms of, of pastoral activity and liturgical activity using social media, using live streams, all that feels as something that is still in its infancy. And there are so many different uh, dimensions of this transition that I... Uh, that that are very new to most of the people that are normally in charge of the parish. And so there's this pressure that I feel to help them with that. But since nothing is routine yet, it is absolutely exhausting. And maybe it's starting to become too much for me alone. Of course, I'm not doing this by myself. I have the help of a couple of very dedicated parishioners and volunteers but still just to give you an example uh, we have we have had a uh, pretty nasty audio problem for the past three weeks that we're streaming which has to do with the recording of the uh, of the singers during mass we allow three to four Um, cantors or members of a choir to sing during Mass. That's the only way that we can guarantee a safe distance between those singers. But but because they're so far far apart from each other and it's only a small group, it is a very tricky situation to record that audio well and to mix it well for the live streams. And we do get complaints. The, the, the audio is never perfect and people are, I think, very um, <laughs> eager to share their comments but they don't realize how difficult it is sometimes to, to, to solve problems of a technical nature that we've never had to deal with. So this morning, I launched a question on Facebook. Help me out here. I have, you know, four singers and I need to somehow record that and everything is out of sync what can I do and for a couple of hours now I've been reading through all the helpful comments and fortunately I do have a number number of experts that have some respo- some solutions or propose some solutions but it is still a couple of hours of my time already lost to trying to at least get a grasp of the of the of the situation of the the possible causes of all the audio trouble and then next sta- phase 
is I need to come up with a proposal based on all the comments. This is what we should purchase. This is how we may be able to connect it to the streaming computer. Because all that is something that people just assume that I do because I'm the tech guy. I'm the social media guy. I'm the television guy. And that really weighs on me because it is just one of the 100 issues that we need to deal with and that I need to deal with and that I feel I need to solve so that over time the situation can get back to normal in a certain way semi-normal and so uh, I've not been counting my my time my hour the hours that I spend on parish work on this new situation but I I'm almost certain that it is five to six hours every day not just during weekdays but also during the weekends the weekends are even worse like yesterday Sunday um, I wake up at, at, at what is it 7.30 I am in church an hour before the beginning of mass because I have to reposition all the cameras they are currently cleaning the church so every time they clean the windows the walls the attic we have to cover everything and 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 move it out of the of it, of their of the usual position and then i have to go and reconnect everything sometimes things get broken like right now my imac is broken or at least the hinge of the screen is broken so i need to solve that i have a broken audio cable because or a usb cable because someone tripped over it and so and then there is mass i do all the camera work and switching between the cameras. Um, even before that, the, the night before, I work on setting up the stream, creating a thumbnail that looks attractive, posting it on all the channels, <laughs> my own channel, the, the various channels of the parish. I need to contact other people that can have access to the websites. So just to get the stream running has already taken at least three or four hours. Then you have the actual mass. Then afterwards, there is this uh, coffee conversation with the pastor, the main celebrant, and one of his assistants. And then around noon, I'm finally done. I, if I'm lucky, I get some time to, to have lunch. And then I have to attend to all the other stuff. So download, or not download, but uh, load the the stream into Adobe Premiere, take out the homily, post that on YouTube, because I can't post the entire mass on YouTube because of the automatic copyright flags that we get from time to time because of the songs that, and the music that is used. In order to prevent that, I, can, I have to isolate the homily and, and post that on YouTube, whereas for streaming we use Facebook. Wow. It's a pretty noisy machine there. I think they're uh, cutting the grass. Uh, they're definitely cutting the grass near the 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 water. Oh well. These are sounds that you always get when the weather is is good. It's never quiet. <laughs> the best place to be 
during springtime is in the Scottish Highlands, where you don't get this noise because there are cows that take care of the grass. <laughs> but in a city like Amersfoort, this is what you will hear as soon as the sun starts shining. But um, the so the rest of, of Sunday is still focused on uh, the aftermath of, of this mass, and then uh, at seven. I have Geek Mass, so an international mass in English and other languages. So I have to da- sit down and uh, uh, look at the various texts. I have to come up with an idea for the homily because I try to speak geek. And uh, even though I'm, I'm very quick with my homilies, I don't prepare much. I usually need two or three ideas and then I don't have to write it down or anything or think about it too too much. The downside of that is that my homilies tend to be uh, very long because I don't prepare it enough and I, I honestly don't have the time or the energy to, to do more than this so it's, it's kind of off the cuff and I, I'm hoping that because of the Star Wars references and because most of my international audience is lo- used to listening to podcasts which are usually well, between half an hour and an hour long they have a little bit more stamina than my regular parishioners. But, uh, so then, like an hour before, sometimes even without, like last, yesterday, I didn't, didn't have time to get dinner. So, we have mass, get, get there an hour before, still usually an hour afterwards, until everything is uh, cleaned up and, and stored again. And then, uh, um... I don't. I, there are a number of volunteers that are involved that I don't want to send home like that after a busy week because usually they're involved also in all the other stuff that we do during the weekend. So we sit down for it, have a drink. Like yesterday we had a whiskey tasting with uh, Sebastian, uh, the, the one who read the readings in English yesterday. And then it's uh, like 10 or 11 p.m. And I haven't had dinner yet. So, literally, 11 o'clock in the evening, I get something to eat. And then I go to bed (laughs) and wake up at 6.30 again for another day. So, it is really exhausting. And I feel that it's necessary. But at the same time, I, I think, well... This is not a this is not a workload that I can keep carrying because almost everything I do for these live streams is extra work is work that I do in addition to my regular work which already fills up the entire week normally so you can imagine that this is a workload that is unsustainable in the long run not to mention that I think the workload on the other side is going to increase even more. And I, I just gave you the example of one day, but it's been like this for every day of the week. And uh, I think the thing that I struggle most with in terms of energy is, is managing all the relationships in this process. Uh, there are tons of different people that I have to keep informed that I need to get on board and it's interesting that 
whenever you start something like this, even though there are no masses in any of the other churches. And so they're saving actually a lot on, <laughs> on costs. Whenever I need something, like right now, I need cameras. I need, uh, it's all my equipment right there, and I need that for my TV show. And it's not actually not even, it's, it's not a good situation right now. These ca- this is a hodgepodge solution. But in order to do this well, I think we need better camera equipment, better audio, a better audio solution. And you can't just wing it when it comes to these, to these transmissions. And a lot of people think that for me this is peanuts. I, I do this with my eyes closed. It's not absolutely not the case. So a lot of people are not aware of the very complicated technical side to all this. But then when I ask for cameras, then... I spent another day or two trying to convince people that they need to invest in this. And then they, I, they get back to me like five times, like, can you write a note of where, why this is urgent? How are we going to split up the cost? Like just a, a few hours ago, I get an email uh, complaining about the cost of the canter and the guy who plays the piano. I was like, well, but how are we going to find it? Who is going to pay for this? And I was like, why? <laughs> Why is that my problem? Can someone please solve some stuff without me being involved? It's just... Oy, oy, oy. This, is, this is the... Uh, like the dark side, I think, of leadership. Is that you have to also coach a number of people. Um, not everyone... Not everyone takes his or her responsibility I think or maybe they just don't see what is required and so in order to get them to do what, what is necessary they too need your effort and your time and that that to me right now is the the biggest burden um, it is so tricky especially because this is, this is all about change radical change very quick change and change is always difficult to manage in, in regular, in normal situations, let alone when you're in a corona crisis like this and you're all of a sudden taking over the church of one of the parish locations. You still need all the local volunteers to make things happen, but at the same time, you cannot give them uh, the, the amount of um, involvement or let's say, influence on what you're doing as you would normally do. Because in order to make this happen, I need to be in charge and there need to be... uh, We need to quickly decide and quickly make things happen. Because if we don't, then there is nothing nothing on the air during the weekends. And uh, so, uh, as you can imagine, as soon as you start making these rapid changes, there are always people that are left behind that are, feel that they haven't been involved enough. Uh, feel they feel that the only thing they have to do is work, and uh, they don't they don't uh, take part in this in the decision making process. So then you get these defense mechanisms, like you know, I'm, you can do it yourself if you know better. If you don't, if you don't inform us, and then I was like, I spent like three or four days per week, full time, just informing people. And communicating and working out ideas on all these different levels. 
And I have to do that all by myself. And that's... That is so tough. I'm quickly unlearning my old people-pleasing reflexes. But even then, oftentimes I, I, I see what needs to happen and how you keep people involved and happy. But it's just total lack of time, total lack of energy to do what my mind tells me would be the best thing. It's just, I cannot optimize, I cannot optimize it anymore because it's too much. <laughs> it's just too much. And that is, uh, that's causing stress and it keeps me awake sometimes. Um, and then I don't want to turn this into just an hour of complaining but I, I sometimes do feel sorry for myself. I was like, oh my goodness, what have I started? And how do I keep this up? And if I, don't keep the, if I don't want to keep this up by myself, how can I change it in such a way that, you know, the progress is still being made without me being the, the donkey who carries everything on his back? very very difficult so I'm I know that what I need to do is um, getting some of the workload down uh, by just uh, choosing that is the hardest thing possible for me <laughs> because I want everything and I in a certain way also know how to do everything it's just that there are only 24 hours a day and I have a... I'm deprived right now of any time for myself. And it's been like this for, for a couple of weeks now. So there are a lot of important things for my balance that are falling on the wayside. To name but a few, in no particular order. Having time for my family. Not my personal family. I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. But for my mom, my father, chatting with my sister or my brother really no time for it and those are not always easy conversations especially with my mom and my dad they're both in a very testing situation so if I call them up I need to have the energy to listen and to make time for them and right now I just don't have it I'm so struggling myself that it is difficult to find energy and time to help people that are struggling even worse than I do so that's one thing. The second thing is having time to read or to play a video game. I tell myself every time, and sometimes I boast about it on the podcast, like, oh, today I read a book or I read a chapter of a book. That's probably the, when I mention it is the only time in the week that I manage to find some time for that. So if I want to take my mind off the current challenges it usually eats into my sleeping time. I watch a series on Netflix because I want to have something to talk about on the, on the podcast. It's, I, I'm not even reading or watching TV for fun. I'm just watching it because if I don't, I don't have anything to talk about during my shows. And so uh, that keeps me up way too late. I go to bed too late. I w always wake up early. And so you get sleep deprived like today. I'm so tired. And uh, physical exercise is the third thing that I just can't seem to be getting in my schedule. 
at least not in a consistent way. But I feel that I need to do that more because otherwise, just my health is deteriorating. I'm, I'm packing on the pounds, but also mentally not being able to run every day or go for a long walk. I'm not just talking about a podcast walk like this one. Um, it's starting to make things even worse because then that, that is actually... Exercise is one of the best ways to get rid of stress. Also sometimes gives me a lot of insights helps me think what should I do how do I deal with this or that person or this or that situation and it also helps me to relativize when I hear the birds when I look at the ducks here in this pond I'm thinking well they don't worry (laughs) they seem to be perfectly happy well they're God's creatures just like me so why don't I just live like a duck (laughs) um So many of these, I think, vital ingredients for a balanced life are currently... I kind of sacrifice them to the duty. And um, I don't know where to cut. That is maybe the core of the problem now that I think of it. I don't know what to cut away. Something needs to go. Probably more than one thing. But what? Do I cut away preparations for the TV season I'm going to regret that later because that is it's it's pretty important that we start filming soon at least in a couple of weeks from now because otherwise um, it's going to take up most of the summer it's it's not a good idea so TV very difficult to to leave out of the equation Um, what else podcasting of my lifeline oh look at these two big ducks and their little ducklings one two three four five gray yellow ducklings and this mother duck is hissing at me clearly indicating that i need to keep my distance i'm not going to push my luck here anyway so podcasting is is not the biggest effort it's also like this one as you know a bit of an outlet also helps me think. <laughs> Make, give me the feeling that at least I can tell someone of my trials and tribulations. <laughs> uh, so that's not really going to solve much. Then we have, of course, this whole parish situation. That's Right now, that's where the overload is. Um, in order to reduce that stress... Um, I should delegate stuff. The thing is, if I delegate too much to certain people, other people will get upset because they're not involved and I'm supposed to be the leader, so why don't I keep everyone in the loop? So if I step away, I'm not sure if the thing (laughs) will, will not explode. Maybe that's also where I'm kind of imagining things. Maybe I'm too worried that if I'm not in the center of all of this, managing all these relationships, telling people what to do, communicating to everyone that that maybe I'm too afraid that the thing will collapse. One of the things that I that I've learned over the years in parishes, you can have these super volunteers, people that have 
huge talents, lots of time, lots of energy, all the qualities they need for their job, but because of that, they rise to the rank of superheroes. They do everything because they're super volunteers. Everybody always goes to them first if something needs to be done because, well, they were able to help in the past. They clearly have the talents. They clearly love doing this. And so let's ask them first. But then over time, some of these people, not all, um, kind of stay in power for too long. The parish becomes theirs in a certain way and they can't let go and other people that would like to step in may be able to help feel that it's not necessary because well you've got these superheroes that are doing all the work so well life always offers you other stuff to do um so in 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 these situations sometimes you wish that people would step back or say hey i can't do this anymore it's too much and the moment you, they do that and make room other people almost always step in or step up to the plate maybe that's something i should take more seriously for myself that advice to just start communicating this is getting too big this is getting too much i can't do this by myself And maybe I shouldn't be afraid of um, what, like, the, when I say the word afraid, I'm thinking, well, if I do that, maybe the people that managed the situation before will, again, take, take their old places and will start blocking again everything that I've started to change right now. Maybe that's just an irrational fear. Maybe not. It is a risk. But is it a risk that I should be willing to take? I think so. Because if I, if I collapse, I won't be able to, uh, to do anything anymore. So maybe that's where the solution is. Maybe I should just start communicating, hey, I've been doing this for five, six weeks now. And you're all looking at me and you're all expecting me to solve everything for you. But this is not my job. Literally. If this were my job, I would not do this. Or that I would build them into oblivion. Because <laughs> my time is expensive. You know, if I go film... Normally, if someone would hire me for a documentary, I charge them 500 bucks a day. Without blinking. Because it's, you know, for my platform. It's not my personal uh, salary. For the parish, I, you know, I'm supposed to do all this for free. And <laughs> that's where... You don't have a, a, an easy way to put up some boundaries. I'm gonna, just going to ring this bell here because I have to return the jacket of Sebastian, who was yesterday's lector. He left it at my place. So that's why I went out for a walk, hoping that he'd be home, or at least his mom is home. Yeah, you bent thuis. Ik kom iets brengen voor je zoon. Die is gisteren zijn jasje vergeten. Nou, u ziet er schattig uit met uw ding. Ik ben aan het opnemen. Ik heb hier mijn kavia, mijn, uh, mijn huisdier. Maar uh, ik had hem al een boodschapje gestuurd van je bent je jas vergeten. Ik denk, ik kan hem net zo goed even komen langsbrengen. Heb ik een reden om even naar buiten te gaan. Gaat het verder goed? Ja, natuurlijk. We maken er wat van. Ja? Nou, dat is wel de spirit. Hartstikke goed. Hou vol. Doe hem de groeten. Ja, doei. Doei, doei.
All right, that's what Dutch banter sounds like. <laughs> so that was Sebastian's mom. So I asked her, how are you doing? How are you? Are you, are, are you uh, uh, how are you managing with the situation? She says, oh, well, you have to just make the most out of it. Just stay cheerful. <laughs> I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. Maybe I'm a little bit too brooding today on this wonderful day. After all, the sun is shining and it's Star Wars Day. Really, I'm recording this on the 4th of May. May the 4th be with you. Star Wars Day. It's always a bit weird. It being also the day of mourning for about our fallen soldiers. Because tomorrow is Liberation Day. Did I already tell you that? I don't know. I sometimes forget what I said at the beginning of the show. So, but hey, I'm a Star Wars fan. Today is Star Wars Day. I... in invoke the right to be excited about Star Wars today. This is also the day that um, The Rise of Skywalker is supposed to come out on Disney+. Plus. I did not realize that yesterday when I did my homily and I uh, inadvertently spoiled the movie for Sebastian. <laughs> Turned out he hadn't seen the movie yet and I, so I actually mentioned some of the events happening at the end of the movie. And he was like, oh, dude, I was so preparing to see this movie with my girlfriend tomorrow, and now you've ruined it. And you know what? He was right. I did, I did actually mention some huge spoilers. Just, it didn't cross my mind that, that there would be people on this planet that wouldn't have seen Star Wars. I know that some people won't, haven't seen Star Wars, but it's because they don't like Star Wars. Or they hate what Star Wars has become. And so I'm not going to be bothered by them. But if you really like Star Wars and you want to see that, then pff, of course I, th- I've, I imagined that you'd seen it by now. But my bad, my bad. Anyway, I was actually quite more careful when it came to my Star Trek references. <laughs> I only mentioned the original Star Trek series and then a bit of the end of Star Trek Nemesis about Data's fate. Figuring that uh, preventing people from watching Nemesis is actually the best thing I can do for any Star Trek fan because that movie was terrible. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I think this, this, uh, this is a bit of a breakthrough. I now know that what I need to do is not panicking... I, I, I think we're on the right track and a lot has already been put, been put in motion but I think what I need to do is start communicating that um, things are going to change in the weeks to come because I have to spend my time elsewhere I don't need to specify that that's always the big um, temptation is to always explain yourself as if I need to do that but I can say hey I've been the corona crisis has enabled me to put a lot of time and effort into these setting up this whole streaming thing. But I need to hand it over because in a few weeks from now, I'll be doing my television work during the week, so I won't be able to think about this. But I could also tell myself, hey, I'm just going to put in my calendar for the next two or three weeks. During the day, I have an appointment with myself, very important person. And that person needs to move more, needs to train for the next marathon needs to read needs to watch movies play video games because of YouTube obligations whatever 
I can come up with whatever excuse I want. Because it's a valid excuse to spend more time on myself after having worked double shifts for the past six weeks. That's basically what it is. In a normal job, again, if this were a normal job, I would accumulate... Um, it's all overtime what I do. So usually you charge a much higher price for overtime, right? Or when you work, you accumulate vacation days. And that's not like an extra luxury or something. It's because <laughs> our system knows that that is important for people to be able to step away without, without feeling guilty about it or without the risk of messing things up. Vacation is important for everyone. Why don't I apply that to myself? Why do I always try to be that superhero priest? It's not healthy. So maybe that's, that's what I am supposed to do now. Or not perhaps. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to book some more me time. Put myself first. After God, of course. Don't worry about it. But uh, even putting God first, praying time, etc. Still, still feels like putting myself first. <laughs> I consider prayer time to be a luxury sometimes. So that's me time. And then, and then work around it. And maybe I should be more strict with myself and with the people that have all these high expectations and tell them I work from 9 to 5. I'm not obliged to work more. And whatever doesn't fit in between those hours, those office hours, I'm not going to do. <laughs> I can advise you, but I'm not going to do it. So that, that is maybe the best transition for me, also to justify the change. Say I want to go from an executive uh, position in this whole project to an advisory, an expert position. I know, I, I know what needs to change because I put these changes in, in motion myself. I have a very crystal clear picture not only of where this project should go, but it goes beyond this. This is a time of radical change for the parish, for our churches. And I also have a pretty good idea of what I think the, 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 the parish should do right now and should become in the next few years. And I think these are good ideas. <laughs> but I am not going to be the person that makes it happen but if they want I can tell them this is what you should do this is where you should go and now make it so instead of running around trying to get everyone on board and I think that's another now that I think of it this is another thing that I do wrong I try to answer a question that is not there I try to solve a problem that most people don't even see. I see it. I think that our parish and our church in general has a massive problem right now. And the corona crisis, I think, is going to collapse a lot of, or through, because of the corona crisis, the collapse of the 
church in its current form, I think, is going to be accelerated um, beyond what most people realize. I don't think that we'll be able to go back to normal in the church anymore. I, I seriously doubt that this will happen in the next years. First of all, because you will still get that new normal with social distancing. That has maybe not that much influence on our economy because, well, we can find workarounds, etc. But it does have a huge impact, I think, on the way we experience church and the way we used to gather. That's no longer possible. If you can't sing, like in Germany, the faithful can go to church now. They can't sing because of the virus. They can't even receive communion in a, in a normal way. It's all super artificial now with, uh, with uh, transparent screens and priests wearing gloves, etc. That's not very attractive. I don't think that many people will uh, want to be in that situation because there's this constant visible threat of the virus. So you can forget about all the elderly. They're not going to co come to church. I wouldn't if I were, you know, really old. I know I'm old, but if I would be really old, I'd say, hey, I'll just watch Mass on the Internet. I don't blame them for doing that, especially now that the bishops have temporarily lifted Sunday obligation. I don't blame them for being super careful. The church will be around a couple of centuries from now, but you may not be. And you have a duty, I think, to also really take good care of yourself and your health because of other people around you. You know, you can be a super faithful Catholic, but if you have a family and young kids, you'd better not take any risks when it comes to infection, even though you may think that it's part of your faith. <laughs> faith can move mountains. Faith can protect me from viruses. Um, that's not how the force works. Anyway. How did I get on this tangent? <laughs> now all of a sudden I'm thinking of Hans, Hans Solo in the snow <laughs> and a grumpy Wookiee complaining about the cold. I remember... This is all about the church not going back to normal anytime soon. And so, I'm because I have a very creative mind, uh, this is keeping me very busy thinking about, okay, so if the old form is no longer coming back, what can you do proactively? How can you prepare for a new situation? How can you reach people in a different way? That's my thing. That's my bread and butter, literally. That's how I earn my wages, is by thinking, how can I reach people that are not coming to church? That is 99% of my work. But if most of my colleagues, like the other day, the pastor here of the parish, he said, I can't wait for the situation to be over, for this Christ to be over. I long for the way we used to be church. And I, I understand that is a very genuine feeling of longing. But at the same time, it worries me because I think what you're hoping for and what you actually expect to happen in a few weeks from now, because I, I'm still amazed that people think that in a few weeks from now, the bishops are going to tell us, hey, 
Ah, finally, the coronavirus is out of the way. Let's go just do whatever we did. It ain't gonna happen, really not. And so, the, I think it will take, if you're still in that mindset, that this is just a bad nightmare, and we're gonna all gonna wake up and then it's gonna be back to normal. As long as we stay in that mindset, we're not, we're not pushed to finding new ways. And I believe that there is no other option. We will have to completely revolutionize the way in which we are uh, trying to reach people and help them pastorally. And the longer we wait, the more people will slip through our fingers. The more distance there is in time, and right now also physically, the more people get estranged from their local parish and I'm not talking about the super involved Catholics that go to church uh, five times a week I'm talking about the majority of Catholics in our countries they already have a very weak connection with the church you may see them every once in a while Christmas, Easter, if you're lucky maybe the occasional family celebration and that's about it those people I think will not be coming back once this corona situation is over. And so, instead of hoping against, against better judgment that, that all will be well, it's better to assume, I think, that this coronavirus has killed most of our existing structures and most of our our, our strategies and our way of doing church business in a certain way is over. It's gone. Well, I would say, if that's the case, put yourself in the mindset of good riddance. It didn't work. Anyway, let's be honest. The way that our church has been functioning, and I've seen this with my own eyes, it's been my, huge, my biggest frustration over the past 10 years is that whatever we're doing right now no longer works. And we're losing people, we're losing involvement, we're losing pastoral nearness every single week. And I have not seen anything come from the old approach. So I feel that we've been using the old situation as a pacifier. And, and many, many of my colleagues, including my own pastor, is still, I think, subconsciously, not deliberately, is doing that when he says, oh, I can't wait for this to be over and so we can all go back to normal. As if the normal was good. The normal was totally broken. And now it's completely broken. Now it's not even broken, it's exploded. And I don't think it will go back anytime soon. So, why don't you just replace it instead of hoping for it to magically heal itself. That's, I think, the challenge right now. And I do have creative ideas about what, what else you could do. Kind of an example, I, I believe that from the... What do we have now? 15 church buildings, 15 locations with expensive buildings and not enough income to uh, even do the upkeep. 
I think we should go back to maybe four at max right now. Just, I wouldn't reopen on many of these churches. Or I would only reopen them for the local communities to play around with them. That sounds very condescending, but I really think that that's what we need to do. Focus on, well, we've got two parishes. Focus on two churches per parish at max. And do everything you do there, do it extremely well. And invest in innovation, invest in youth pastoral. Do whatever it takes to bring people back. Invest in catechesis, in, I don't know, alpha courses or whatever. Train people, teach them, gather them for, for prayer, for adoration. Teach them again the value of confession, of all the sacraments. Focus on these two buildings which are probably already a, a challenge to, to keep functioning properly. And leave the rest to the local communities. If they, want to, if they are able to pay for the cost of keeping that church open, fine, great, awesome. Make it so. But if they can't, don't waste your time, your money, your energy, your focus on places that are already dead. And you may... I'm actually in a conversation with myself. What about Jesus who says, thou shalt not extinguish the flickering flame or, you know, completely break the whatever it is. You know, always give the weak a chance. Well, I'm thinking by focusing on two churches per parish... You're exactly doing that. You're trying to keep the small flickering flame alive. The rest is already gone. It is already gone. You should have said goodbye to those, to that situation years ago. That's it's harsh, but I think it's the only way to also to get solvent again, even from a, from a business perspective, which is not a popular dimension to talk about. For many of my colleagues, but it is an essential dimension. Even Jesus says that you have to count your soldiers or, and your money before you start building a tower. Well, same, same here. Um, a parish that bleeds money every year, that is not able to make ends meet and actually eats up its remaining money to the extent of, uh, what is it, 350,000 euros a year, that parish is on life support. That situation is on life support. And what you should do is try to save the person, but get rid of that rotting limb. (laughs) Oh, this is not a good metaphor, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. For me, the... In order to make positive choices, well, let's, let's turn this into a more positive approach. You want to survive. You want the message of the church to survive. You want people to thrive and to not always be in this situation where, oh, the Titanic is sinking, the Titanic is sinking. You want to tell them, come over in this boat. This boat is not sinking. Yes, it's not the big boat that you're used to and we don't have silverware, but it is afloat and we will catch some fish and together we'll survive 
but get out of that Titanic. <laughs> if you want to do that, you have to let the Titanic sink. You just have to cut your losses and accept, just like for me personal, personally, in a certain way, I have to acknowledge that what I'm doing right now is unsustainable. I'm heading for an iceberg, or maybe I've already hit it. And if I try to keep everything that I do now afloat, I will sink. Head down, and I will not emerge from the waters. So, acknowledge it. Just take it, take the situation the way it is. God never asks you to do the impossible. He asks you to have faith... And if you have enough faith, then he can do the impossible. But he will not ask you to do that. In fact, sometimes I think God even allows things to go wrong, to falter, to explode, so that we understand that this is not the way. This is not what he wants. If you look at the Bible, in many Bible stories you have disasters like the ones that are happening right now. You've got plagues grasshoppers, that's right now exactly what's going on. You've got inundations, you've got natural disasters, you've got viruses and plagues killing everyone. And yet, in a lot of these biblical stories, the way that people react is not um, we should go back to the way we were, but we have to change. This is a sign. God is trying to tell us something. We need to change our ways. We have sinned. We're not following the road that God has traced us. We've forgotten about Him. And in this situation, I think the temptation, although understandable, of hoping and wishing that things will go back to normal, is actually preventing us from making these changes and to realize that God asks us to change our ways and to have trust in Him instead of trusting our buildings, our old ways. And I, that, for me, this is a personal conviction, a very strong one. Um, and it's scary. I'm really scared to be in a situation where most people around me don't see it that way. I'm not in charge of these parishes. But I do know that if we don't change, there will be nothing left. But I'm not the one who can effectuate this change. I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I don't have the responsibility to lead the parish. But what I can do is instead of being a leader, I can try to be a prophet. <laughs> if you're talking about role-playing, maybe, maybe that's my, my job right now, is, is to be the prophet, the visionary, the one who says, like, I have this dream. And I think maybe God wants to tell us something. And if you wonder what to do, then, hey, I may have some ideas. But I'm not in charge. It's up to you. Isn't that what God does most of the time? Instead of uh, um, becoming the CEO of our planet, 
Which sometimes he does. Like with Noah and the ark. God is like, okay, I'm going to do a heart reset. Control, all delete. <laughs> Blue screen of death. Literally. Blue sea of death. <laughs> let's completely reinstall. Let's do a fresh install. And load up Noah 2.0. And his family. And then we'll see. Maybe that will get better. That'll do the trick. But most of the time, God is pretty hands-off. He's like, hey, it's just like Jesus. You have the prophets. You've got the stories. You've got the Bible. You've got all the experience of generations before you. And you still can't figure it out? I mean, come on. And you still want a sign? You still want, like, the manual? You know how this works. You know what to do. What you're actually telling me is you don't want to do it. And you want an easy fix. I'm not going to give that to you. I'm not going to do your job. You need to change, not me, not God. Isn't that the trick? Isn't that the whole idea, I think, of the current situation? Instead of asking God, and some of these prayers, even though, again, understandable, bishops gave us beautiful prayers to pray for an end to the corona crisis, etc. Of course we should pray for that. But shouldn't it be also accompanied by a prayer of change? God, tell us what you want. Lead us in this situation. Help us. Bring us to the other side of uh, the Lake of Galilee. We can't do it ourselves. We're drowning. Come on, wake up, please. We don't have the faith that is required. But if you're with us, and tell us what to do. That should, I think, be the second prayer that we need to pray. If we don't, we... Um, We risk to know it all, think we know better, and then when this virus eventually will go away, we're still going to discover that whatever we did was not what we were supposed to do. And because we're so busy doing the old stuff that didn't work, we don't have the attention to the instructions like the updated instructions that God is trying to give us. Huh. Interesting. I've been asking myself a lot of questions lately. What is my role? Because in a, in a certain way, if I'm honest, I should apply that to my own situation as well. I've been doing a lot of things in a certain way for years now. Is that still what I, I'm supposed to do? It fills my days and I enjoy it, but is it... Is it truly what I'm supposed to... Is it, isn't there something else? And it's all about vocation. Last Sunday was um, Vocation Sunday. And it's all about, ask yourself, what is God calling me to do? And it may be different from what you first thought it was. Hmm. Food for thought. Anyway, I'm going to wrap things up. Because uh, you have other things to do, and so have I. Thank you so much for listening. Keep me in your prayers. I could really use it. And you're in my prayers as well. And let us continue to seek God's guidance. If we do that, it, life won't necessarily become easier. But at least we'll know that we're doing the right thing. And we're not wasting our energy on what he is not asking us to do. That may lighten the load. Take care. 
and God bless. And may the fourth be with you.